scripture today, or a question that our scripture today raises, is what makes a space sacred? What makes a space sacred? What comes to mind when you uh, consider that question? What makes a space sacred? Yeah, where folks gather. Yeah. So, for me, um, for whatever reason, um, this week, it uh, brought to mind a memory of a former parishioner who um, really uh, made the space sacred. Um, and the space I'm thinking of particularly was, um, was the meeting house, was the worship space uh, where we met to worship God. He made that space sacred, not because of any special talent or gift that he had, uh, simply because he was fully present. Chad was on the autism spectrum, and he was very open about it. Um, and every year he competed in the Special Olympics, and he was an advocate for folks uh, who were neuroatypical. Uh, he, was, he came to church as a freshman at Johnson and Wales University. He was, a, he was a college freshman, so he did something that uh, pretty much every college freshman does first thing when they arrive at their new school is to look for a church. That's a joke. And obviously he was very bright and talented. He eventually would graduate from the culinary school there, and now he works, uh, uh, he works in Orlando for, for Disney. Um, but part of um, his uh, being neuroatypical was that he wasn't great at reading social cues all the time. That, that wasn't, that was something that he struggled with. Um, so part of the job of being a choir partner with Chad, so Chad, not only did he join the church, but he joined the choir right away, was uh, supporting him with social cues. So, um, so at our church, we 
had, we had shifted from a philosophy of only trained professionals had voices worthy of the choir to the philosophy that everyone can sing. And so this everyone can sing approach meant that everyone can sing a solo. And so Chad, who was a wonderful singer but not a trained voice, sang the solo for a contemporary arrangement of the classic hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be. And at the chorus, uh, Chad would raise his hands and say, Take my life, all of me. Here I am, it's all for thee. And everyone would stand, and the choir would stand, and everyone would sing along with Chad, Take my life, it's all for thee. And it became known as Chad's song. And every time he sang it, there was not a dry eye because he sang it from the heart. And in the end, that's all it takes to make a space sacred. Simple, yet sometimes profoundly difficult to find for sometimes. Chad made that space sacred. His brave stepping forward made it safe for all of us in all of our imperfections to show up for one another and to meet God. So our scripture tells this odd story of Jesus cleansing the temple. That's sometimes what the story is called. I like to think of it as Jesus clearing a space for the sacred to show up. This text was actually a key piece of scripture for our congregational ancestors who had the view that since God created the universe and all time and space, that that meant that all, all space is equally sacred. There's no place where God is not. That means that on sort of an absolute level, uh, every place is equally sacred and every space is equally ordinary. The distinctions we made, 
we make, we human beings make between this is church and this is not church. This is worship space and this is not worship space are just that. These are human distinctions that we make. God doesn't make those distinctions. And that's why the traditional name, which many congregationals still use for the worship space, is meeting house. As Beth just said, it's, a, it's just a place where people gather. People gather in the meeting house, people gather at the restaurant, people gather in your living room. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just another place where people gather. Uh, that's why in this church and, in, and, in, and it's traditional in congregational churches, there are no stained glass windows. You know, ordinary, beautiful glass windows suffice. That's why originally congregational churches didn't have crosses. Now we have one up there, I see, kind of on, uh, <laughs> on the organ pipes. But I can tell you that the, uh, they still remember the controversy uh, at my wife's church in Windsor when the deacons decided that they needed to put a cross up front. That was a big fight <laughs> because that's the... That, was, that wasn't the congregational way. The con- it's just, it's a meeting house. It's not that it's not sacred, but it's no more sacred than the courtyard. It's no more sacred than the original meeting house of this particular congregation, which was the Salmon Brook Tavern. <laughs> That was, our, that was our first meeting house, was the tavern. That's because space itself is not sacred, or not sacred. It's what we bring to that space that makes it sacred. And Jesus is inviting us to bring all of who we are. When Jesus is turning over the money changers' tables and driving out the animals that were sold for sacrifice, along with the people, he says to them, stop making my father's house a marketplace. Now, behind this statement, there's a whole complicated history and cultural assumptions and all that sort of stuff. All of these stories come, come from a land far away in a time long ago. That's just, it's kind of different from our way of thinking. But just to put it very simply, um, pilgrims from all over the world would, at that time would come to Jerusalem for the high holy days. One of those high holy days was Passover. And they would make offerings at the temple. We make offerings every week at our church. They would make their offerings. And you could offer uh, cattle. You could offer sheep. You could offer doves. Or you could bring an offering of money. Now, the money at that time had printed on it the head of the Roman emperor, just like we have, you know, uh, Abraham Lincoln on our pennies, and uh, who is it? Uh, is, it uh, jo- is it Thomas Jefferson on our quarters? I think it's, th- you know. Anyway, we have heads printed on our... So, they, so those coins had the head of the Roman emperor 
printed on them. And the Roman emperor was oppressing the Jewish people. He was making life miserable and difficult and hard for them to practice. And they didn't want that money in their temple, which makes sense. They didn't think it was appropriate. So you had to change your money to make your offering. And as far as the sheep and the cattle and the doves go, I mean, people were coming from all over the world. Not everyone wanted to bring their, you know, along with all the rest of their luggage, they didn't want to bring their ox with them, right? Or their sheep. They're just like, look, I'll just bring some money along and I'll buy, buy some there. And so that's what they did. And so the point was that, you know, the folks who were there uh, doing this business were, were providing a vital service to people. And uh, so, so again, so why did, Jesus, why did Jesus do this? Why did he drive out the animals and turn over the tables? Well, there's a lot of theories, uh, but what I think is that the, it's, it has to do with the space itself, the place where the money changers and the animal sellers provided their services were, was called the court of the Gentiles. It was a special place on the temple grounds where Jews and non-Jews could mix. Temple members and non-temple members could mix. It was a sacred space, but not as sacred as other parts of the temple where only Jews were allowed to go. And I was trying to think of a similar thing at, we do here at church. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't intend it uh, uh, to be this way, but... Uh, you know, these walls can sometimes be a barrier that separates church members from non-members. The church members are in here and the non-members are out there. You know, we don't have rules about it like maybe they did at the temple. But somehow that still happens, this separation between those who, you know, folks might think have their religion all together and figured out, and those who are seekers, those who have doubts and have questions. I mean, sometimes, I know we don't intend to do that, but sometimes we can create that impression for folks. And so it can be intimidating to kind of come into a sacred space. And so what I see Jesus doing is, um, is, so when Jesus is cleansing the court of the temples, of the Gentiles, he is saying, this is a holy space too. That, God doesn't make the distinctions that we make between Jews and non-Jews, between church members and non-members, non-church members, between Christians and non-Christians, between sacred space and not sacred space. 
and that uh, God loves these people too. And in cleansing the court of the Gentiles, Jesus is extending the temple to all who are gathered to worship, regardless of where they are, regardless of who they are, whoever you are and wherever you are in life's journey, you're welcome here. It's interesting that in this instance, Jesus' act of inclusion involved extending the temple's sacred space outward. Later in the Gospel of John, Jesus will encounter a Samaritan woman at the well, and the Samaritans had a different sacred space that they worshipped in, and the woman asked Jesus who was right, the Jews who worshipped God in Jerusalem at the temple, or the Samaritans who worshipped in a different space, and Jesus replied, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The hour is coming and is already here where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. What does that mean to worship God in spirit and in truth? Here am I, all of me. Take my life, it's all for thee. The point is that in cleansing the temple, Jesus is inviting us to make our vision of sacred space bigger. Much, 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 much bigger. Any space can be sacred space because no place is off limits to God. And in this pandemic time, I mean, we're learning to do that, right? We're taking our church outside of the walls. We're joining each other on Facebook and on Zoom. When one of Chad's fellow parishioners was dying, when one of my person, you know, our, our, one of our church members was dying, uh, she asked that he sing his song at her funeral. And I remember Chad's neuroatypical brain had its own very unique and endearing way of, of processing these, these heavy emotions, you know? This, I mean, he's a young kid, a <laughs> college student, and this, you know, he's asking to sing at this funeral. But when the time came, he stood in that meeting house and he sang. What makes the space sacred? It's Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well sharing a drink of water and life and the heart's most burning questions. It's Chad sharing his voice. It's a first church volunteer handing a snack pack to a hungry family in the church parking lot and making that heart connection. It's the Zoom meetings that we have to discuss how we're going to serve our community and how we're going to dismantle racism in Granby. It's uh, the blessing bags that have been delivered to the transfer station and the library and the senior center and the post office and the police station and the fire station and, and Granby ambulance. And, and now to new move-ins is the next plan. 
uh, it's showing up as we are, uh, beautifully human, perfectly imperfect, to meet the God who loves us boundlessly, and to meet that God in every place. Amen.